As our kids are leaving, I want to kind of make a quick announcement about something we have coming up. If you are new to Genesis, uh, perk up, listen to me for a sec, because I want to share something that we do and, and invite you to that. Holy cow, it's amazing how many kids we have in this church, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, we're so blessed. Um, so so we, we strongly, like, we, we take this task that Jesus has given us to make disciples seriously. We want to see people authentically grow in their faith. And um, there's several things we do. Community groups is one of them. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. One of the things that we, we are intentional about doing is that when people are new to Genesis, we want to take you through a little bit of a journey that explains the core foundational beliefs that we hold as Christians. Um, uh, we, we want to introduce people to our leadership, our elders, our pastors uh, that are part of this church. We, we have some great men who, who love you and, and serve this church, and, and so you get to know them. Uh, we want to explain the depth and the beauty of the gospel and really show you who Jesus is. And we want to explain the mission and values of our church so that you really get who we are. And so we have this, it's a five-week experience. It's, it is a big ask to ask people to give five weeks of their life on a Sunday evening for a couple hours each week to be introduced to our church. But what we found over time is that when people come in, we're able, like if you're new to the faith, we're really t- able to lay a good foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you've kind of been around church for a while and church, you have a church background, you're coming to us, we help you like refresh your understanding of the core beliefs, but also get a sense of understanding of who we are as a church. Because the way we live out some of these things looks a lot different than maybe other churches you've been a part of. And so uh, we're going to do this the month of October, five Sundays in October. Those five Sundays are when we're going to do it. And we just want to, uh, it'll be on Sunday evenings um, from 5 to, 5.30 to 8. You see the time frame. Uh, there is uh, in the QR code for uh, uh, this morning, like in, in your worship folder at the end of service, one of the links where you can register is right there. Uh, we'll push this out as well. And, and for some of you who are new, you've been hanging around. Uh, we'll, like if we don't hear from you soon, we may even send you an invite asking you to be a part of that. But um, if you're, like I said, if you're newer to Genesis, this is a great chance to jump in and figure this out. For us, it is not a membership class. So if you're like, I don't know if I want to be a member or not, or you're like, I don't even know what that means. But it is our pathway to membership. In other words, you don't have to take, like if you take the class, you don't have to become a member. But if you want to be a member of Genesis, this is how we walk you through and make sure that, that we know you and you know us well and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, jump in on that and be a part of it, all right? I'm excited about that. It's always a good season for us to do. And so we're, we're thrilled about that. Um, we just did this whole conversation about community groups and had a little fun with that. Um, once a year, it's actually this Sunday every year, we pause and do that. And it took a lot of time in the service, and I get that. Um, but it's important because we really have figured out that for the most part, for the most part, as we seek to make disciples, we have structured these groups very intentionally for certain things. And, and when we watch people in our church, we, we see who they are, it's a pretty close to one-to-one correlation between people who are in our groups and people we start to see measured growth in their spiritual life. Um, it's, is it possible to grow spiritually without being in a group? Maybe, although I would argue it's really hard if you're trying to do Christianity alone to grow. In it, to, to grow. Uh, and this is kind of where we've structured to say, hey, you have a, a people to grow. And are there people who come to groups who don't grow? Sure, there are. But I would say the majority of people who've committed themselves to a community of faith that are doing the things that we try to build rhythms into our church, the, the, the vast majority of people who've committed to that 
there is measurable, like things that, that where we could say, hey, three years ago, I knew this person. And now three years later, we can see things in their life where they're becoming more like Jesus. They love the Lord more. They're more involved in certain things. They're using their gifts in, in different ways. And, and so we would just encourage you to do that. And like, like we mentioned, the goal here, if you're already in a group, you're kind of like, hey, a different night would work better. Or uh, I just, maybe it's time for a switch. You are given full permission if you're already in a group to try a new group. Uh, if you aren't in a group, uh, this is the time to jump in. And all these groups have something structured this week. And so if you're like, um, I haven't made my meal plan for this week, you could have a meal on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night this week if you wanted to do it. And you know what? We would be okay with that. Okay? Then we're going to ask you to pick one and go with it. But, you know, you probably don't want to do that every week, but it's an option. Okay? And, and really, uh, our groups are intentional about creating a space where it is a community of people who are doing faith, life, and mission together, who are really growing in the faith, and, and, and they are together. And so they do things like pray with one another. They, they have meals with one another. They uh, even uh, at times confess their sin and wrestle with the hard things in life with one another. Uh, there, are, there are times in my group where we're all putting our hands on one person and, and hugging and, and, and giving a space for one person who's hurting and crying and weeping, and we love on them. And then later on, it's somebody else, and that person who a month ago needed this sort of prayer and uh, community is now pouring that into somebody else. Um, and it's beautiful to watch that. And so I, I just want to encourage you that this is a good thing. And this is kind of what we've been talking about in our pillar series, the idea of, of the gospel shaping a community of people. And today we're going to talk about how that community of people, like the gospel always comes with an engine. It, it propels us towards a mission, towards something. Um, I've been in, in groups where the groups became cul-de-sacs of the gospel rather than conduits. They, they became a place where you just got a group of people in a room and that's all they did was sit around. And I love Bible study, but if all a group is doing is Bible study and they're not finding an outlet to live out the implications of what the Bible is teaching in that Bible study, it ends up with people who may have big heads but small hearts and we don't want that. So we do study the Bible, but we do a whole lot more and so jump in on that. And, and the idea is that, that communities that are built on some sense of mission Communities that are built around some sense of mission, there is a depth and a beauty of that. I've been on several mission trips, talking about Scott going to Belize. I've been on several mission trips, and there's something beautiful that happens to that. And there's all kinds of places in this world where we have groups of people that are shaped by a certain mission. And, and what happens, those, those groups may grow, grow really close together, and there may be all kinds of things that that group does, but that group runs and, and, and like it becomes really in trouble if in the midst of enjoying one another's presence and being close and doing other things, they lose their sense of mission. For example, imagine if a group like this decided fantasy football was the most important thing. Like, you, you want a, a battalion of soldiers to have community, to, to feel like they're close. And maybe they have a great fantasy football group. Maybe, maybe they argue and fight and hug one another. But at the end of the day, this group should have deep community, but they better know why. They, they better understand the reason that they are together, right? And they better not lose sight of that. Or at the end of the day, with this group, people will die. Or, or a group like this. Group of firefighters. I love this. this is an all-female firefighting team, right? It's awesome. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if they decide that the most important thing, what really builds their community is that they all love to cook and they have great meals, 
And they, they, man, they, they get together, they, they cook a great meal one night, man. It is ready, and the alarm goes off. And they ignore the alarm because dinner's ready. And for the love of God, we can't miss our dinner because we worked really hard on this. They will have missed the point of who they are and what they're about. Now, a group like this should enjoy meals together. My, my grandpa, grandfather was a firefighter his whole life, and I'd go there, and he'd be sitting around enjoying the presence of the, the men that he worked with, and they'd be sitting around enjoying meals. There were times my grandma would show up with, like, a meal for everybody, and our family would take sweet tea and everything so we could feed all the firefighters. They'd sit around it. But when that alarm goes off, they, bet, they better know why they exist. Or uh, something like this, a, a sports team. This is a picture of the Eureka High School JV um, field hockey team. We are learning field hockey this year. One of my daughters is in that picture somewhere on the left side. But, you know, a, a, a sports team, you know, uh, you know or, or if, you, like, if you're a football fan, today's the day, right? Here we go. Uh, it's NFL season. And for all of you don't, who don't care about that, and your husbands do, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But it's the way we roll, right? Uh, and so a football team, if, you know, they better stay focused on, on winning the game. Or maybe you've been part of a group like this. Or, or maybe you fear ever being a part of a group like this, right? Like a workout group. All these groups, there is something around, like there's a reason they're bound together. And if a workout group loses the, the reason they're coming together, they may have great community. They may have a, a great amount of fun. They may go out on weekends and have a, have a good time. They may have fellowship, but if you lose sight of why you're together, if you lose sight of the sense of mission, something goes sideways with the group, and next thing you know, a group of people look like that start looking like me, right? And the workout group isn't working so great. Community on mission is something that is all around us, yet Often in my experience, when we go to church, we, I've found communities that have no sense of mission, and they struggle to make sense of anything other than a group of people who are trying to get their needs met. And believe it or not, that is the last thing you want to do if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple. If you want your life to count, if you want to have your life transformed in the gospel, we need community. And so this has kind of been our, our series. We've talked about the gospel, this beautiful message of Jesus, and the fact that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God saves people. And if you're here today and you know Jesus, what happened is, is that message reached you, and your eyes and ears are open to the gospel, and God saved you through the proclamation. It may have happened in a church service where somebody preached like this. It may have happened over a cup of coffee where somebody across the table shared Jesus with you. It may have happened because you were listening to some podcast or, or program or listening to Joy FM, but you heard the beauty of the gospel, and all of a sudden that gospel, your eyes were open, and God made your heart alive. You believed the gospel, and God saved you. But God never saves you to yourself. He never silos you. He always puts you in a people. Christianity is a team sport. It's not an individual event. It's not something I'm to do alone. I need to have a people. And so God, he saves you into a church. But churches like Genesis, we have to work on big gathering, smaller places where you are doing faith, life, mission together with a group of people. The importance of having those people in your life and, and so we have to structure to create spaces where this sort of community takes place. And our structure is based on some ideas in the New Testament. We see in the book of Acts that the early church met publicly in a public place, and then they met from home to home, and that's what we do. 
Other churches may do Sunday morning, uh, and, like classes, things like that. Those are all great ways as long as this idea of community is happening. But for us, this is where it happens. But at the end of the day, those communities, our whole church community, needs to be a community on mission. And the reason we believe so, so passionately about this is because when you read the Bible, you, you like, here's a trivia question for you from the Bible. Are you ready? Who's the first missionary in the Bible? Some people say, well, maybe it's Abraham. Maybe it's Adam. Maybe it's uh, Noah. Maybe it's, um, you know, we can name a lot. Maybe, maybe we get to the New Testament. There's people like Paul. But the first missionary in the Bible is God. God is a sending God. In fact, this is, we find this all through the Bible that you see this language where we hear that God is a sending God. And the book of John, the gospel of John makes this very clear that in, 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 in God's purpose, the Father sent the Son, Jesus. Like he sent him. God is a sending God. And Jesus came to be a missionary, to, to, to go on a mission. That mission was to give his life for our redemption and then the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into the world. And the Holy Spirit came into the church and filled people's lives. And they were baptized in the Spirit. But it also the Holy Spirit comes to bring conviction. And then the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit sends the church. And so Jesus looks at his disciples in the last night of his life. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. That God is a sending God, and the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to understand what it means that, that the Father sent the Son, the Son, Father and the Son have sent the Spirit. The Spirit dwells within me, but it dwells within me because he has sent me into the world. And, and now, as a follower of Jesus, that, that, that sense of figuring out what God is doing in the world and being on mission is such a big part of it. And... and and so I want you to picture this morning the mission, that, that there is a God who is a missionary, that, that the story of the Bible is actually the story of the mission of God. And there's a lot of elements of this great mission, that God is purposeful, he is acting. God has not taken a vacation and left and has left the world on his own, but he is actively involved in his creation. And a huge part of that mission is the redemption of, of a people for himself, but it includes the restoration of everything, that he's gonna make everything new. It includes things like justice and mercy and poverty care and, and, and love for the broken and hurting of the world. We're gonna be talking about that in a big way next week. That these are all things that the, the great, magnificent, missionary God is doing in the world. And imagine the, 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 the mission of God, the work of God, like a great river. And, and for so many of us, what we want to do is we want to walk up to the edge of the river, and we want to watch the river go beside us. There's what God's doing. This is cool. Let me read stories. Let me read blogs. I grew up in, like, I grew up in a whole system where they loved telling us missionary stories. And I loved those missionary stories. But that was me standing on the river watching the river go by. And finally I heard like, some things I went to that said, listen, stop just watching the river. Get out in the middle of it and let that river take you wherever it wants to take you. That's the mission of God. God is inviting us into something that is way bigger and more beautiful than our own lives. And it's, it's there where we will find fulfillment, peace, purpose, meaning. It's, it's when we're invited in, into the flow of God's mission. And God, who is a sending God, invites all of us to be part of that, to join that, to have different roles. And the church is, is the people of God living out that mission 
on one level everywhere in the world because when I talk about the church, I'm talking about all Christians, but there are local churches, local like gatherings of people that God has placed here and said, I want you to be a reflection of that river. I want you to be the people of God. I want you to be an extension of the missionary God and what he is doing in the world. I want you to join, like God is inviting us to join what he is doing. It is not us going and doing something for God. It is joining God in what he is doing and joining that mission and not losing sight, not hearing the, the bell for an alarm ring and getting so caught up in eating a meal that we forget why we're here. Not, not getting so wrapped up in fantasy football, although it is a good thing and my team's going to win this year. But uh, not letting that become what drives us. And then all of a sudden, we are gathered around this mission. So this, this one guy, his name is Christopher J. Trite. I love his, he's a theologian and he writes a lot about the mission of God. He's got a huge book called The Mission of God, another book called The Mission of God's People, and I love both those books. Uh, but he says this in the mission of God's people. It is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but God has a church for his mission in the world. Get the flip-flop of language. It's not that God has a mission for his church. It's that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for a mission, God's mission. Now, we're talking about these pillars, okay? This pillar of, of, of gospel, this pillar of community, and now this pillar of mission. And what we're saying is, is, especially in ancient time, when we're talking about pillars, we're talking about the foundational structure of, on which the rest of the building is built. You have a solid cornerstone. Our cornerstone is Jesus. But then you have these structures, these, these poles that go up that were often built out of all kinds of stones that actually support the building. These pillars are what everything else is built on. And what I want you to hear this morning and in, in, in the sermon series is that everything we do at Genesis, everything we are is built on these pillars. Gospel community mission. You're going to come to Genesis and you're going to hear the gospel week after week. I, we got one message. You're going to hear us pushing you and saying, listen, you need a people. Find a people. Don't do Christianity alone. It doesn't work. And we're going to look at our community groups and look at you on every level and say, join this beautiful mission, gospel community mission. We're going to be looking at every structure, every uh, group of people, every organization, every uh, uh, program and saying, listen, are we fleshing out gospel community mission? So Genesis Kids, how are we living out gospel community mission? Uh, youth group, how are we doing gospel community mission? Community groups, are we really co- groups that are living out gospel community mission? Or are we just cul-de-sacs of the gospel where we just become a people who we're just driving around in circles with ourselves? This is who we are. Because this is what, like, we firmly believe this is what the gospel has called you to, because this is what we want for you. We believe this is where God will most use you, most fulfill your life, most give you meaning, most give you hope, most give you joy. When we become people who are, have experienced the gospel, we see the beauty of Jesus, we are in community, and we are figuring out what it looks like to use our gifts and talents and be part of this community in the world. And so I've got this whiteboard here to help just image this out, help you see what we're talking about here, okay? Try to get this out here without breaking anything. I hope you all can see this. But you have, you have a church here. And for so many churches, and hear me, I'm, I'm not saying this is wrong. I am saying this is not us. Okay, so many churches 
have a gravitational pull to, usually it's a building. It's okay for a church to have a building. I hope it is, because we're working on that, right? But for 17 years, we've been meeting in a school, and that's okay. But a gravitational pull towards a building and, and a structure and a system that we want to draw people to. And the mission of the church, the whole sense of what the church is about, is saying, we need to get y'all to us. Try to create a, a strategies and systems. And so the, the church develops all kinds of programs that are designed to pull people in. They work really hard on uh, a, a great preacher, and I'm a terrible artist. I should have my daughter up here drawing this for you because it, it, it will look awful when I do it, but it's the way we're going. But a great preacher who has trendy sermons, who uses his sermons to entertain people and use the Bible, yes, and some of this, there's some great preachers who have this model who really preach the word. I'm not saying it's wrong, but the emphasis begins, becomes this, this drawing. You, you got to have a great, great band, and I'm not going to try to draw that. I'm just going to draw a weird music note, okay? A great band, and I'm thinking, we have a great band, but the emphasis is, man, a great band with a stage presence. You've got to have the right lights. So you get a, get a smoke machine. That'll really do it, right? And, and, and then you start, you start spending your money on things like marketing. We're, we're, we're going to build a big budget to make sure that we have the coolest flyers and the coolest things. And, and then, then you add to that, we're going to have huge events. And we're going we're gonna to invite people. What we're going to tell you that, that your job, like if you come to this church, here's your job. Just keep inviting people. Keep inviting people to come. To draw people. The, the gravitational pull. Let's get them on our parking lot. Let's get them in our church. Let's get them to our events. They will hear about Jesus. And, and so your job as a person is to become an inviter. And there's, that's good. I, we want you to do that here. But there's a sense in which everything in the church is trying to pull people to the center. There's a gravitational pull that is pulling people to the center. And every church I was part of before Genesis, this is how the church was structured. I begin to wrestle with this. I, I, I think there is a, a little better way. And by the way, Genesis does have programs. We have places where we do certain things for people and they are structured. We're starting a new thing tonight. I'm pumped about it. We are starting a ministry called Fusion for our 20s, college age and 20-somethings. It's a big deal here at Genesis. And you have to program, you have to structure it. It's not wrong to do that. But, but, but we, we, have, we have other things that we do. There are places where we do have smaller Bible studies and gatherings and prayer groups and things like that, that there is some program structure to it. We we, we, we don't want me to be terrible and bore you or, or, or the other guys who preach, but it, it's not the highest goal that we have a cool, trendy pe preacher because I left that 20 years ago. Or, or, I love our band, but our band wants to, to draw you not to great music that you sit in there entertained. They want to draw you to sing about gospel community mission. Do, do, do you pick up that? Great songs about Christ, drawing your heart to him. But, but really what we want to see is our church as a whole structured differently. We're not so interested, not that we don't, like we love, those of you who are new, we're so thankful you're here. But our goal is not to create structures and systems where the gravitational pull is here. Our goal in our whole systems is to try to create structure and systems where every one of you begin to see yourself as sent. 
that it's not programs and big events that we plan, but it's you loving Jesus in a community of faith in your neighborhood and you living a transformed life in your places of employment, in your businesses, in your, among your family, that is most compelling. And that the church's mission is to equip you to be a missionary. Now that sounds really weird because I grew up thinking missionaries were people who hopped on boats or planes and went overseas. But it's to understand that, that strategically, are you, are you ready for this? The God of this universe who is sovereign has strategically placed us here and, and I, like all of a sudden we're in Pacific and I learned this all over again because we had to move from Eureka for, to Pacific for a season and all of a sudden I realized that even that God was sovereign and had a way better plan than I did and here we are. And the Lord has blessed us here, but he has strategically placed us as a church in this community. He has strategically placed all eight of those community groups in very specific places, with very specific leaders. And he has strategically called you and saved you if you're a believer in Jesus so that you will understand that he is at, God is at work in your world. He is not losing, right? I know the culture is getting weird. I know the culture seems to be pushing against Christianity, but let me declare this clearly to you. God is not losing. He is at work in our community, and his purpose is to raise up this church and other churches that focus on the gospel to be living demonstrations, living images of the glorious gospel. Okay? That's who we are. Yeah, you can cheer that. That's all right. And we're not backing off of this. Now, where do we get this? I get it everywhere in the Bible, but I want to show you one passage real quick. Grab your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because we're not going to stand up here and tell you a whole bunch of stuff and give you a motivational speech. This is rooted in, the, in clarity in Scripture. And I want you to see this in a text of Scripture. First Peter chapter two, if you uh, find your app, if you don't have Bible, there are Bibles in baskets all around the room. If you will grab one of those, we'll be on page uh, 1,117 in that Bible. What we have here is this guy named Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends on earth, is writing a letter to, he is in Rome, which is kind of the, the capital of the, the universe at that point in time, but he's writing a letter to a group of churches, so local churches that are living in, in what is modern-day Turkey, and what's happening is there, the, the persecution against the, the church and its message is growing. And the church is trying to figure out how do we live as people of God? How do we live as a community of faith? How do we reflect the beauty of the gospel when the world is beginning to look at us and go, we don't like your message, we don't really like you, and we're willing to, to take action against you. What do we do? And this whole letter is Peter looking at this church going, you are not of the world, but you are placed in the world, and you were to live your life before this culture. Together, corporately, together, you were to live your life in a way that demonstrates the beauty of the gospel so that the gospel is made visible. It's the theme of 1 Peter as a letter, and this is kind of the pinnacle of his argument. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. So let's, I'm going to read it, read it along with me. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you were God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What a great passage. Um, he just he says some amazing thing. And what he's done is he's, he has said, listen, God has saved you as individuals. He saved you into a people. And as a people, you exist for them. Not, not they're our enemy, we must take them out. He looks at the church and goes, they may be persecuting you, but he has placed you in, like, he is inviting you to join his mission. He has saved you for them. Look at what it says. See, first of all, he says, you're a holy nation, uh, a, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. That is actually a direct quote from Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6, where God has called this nation of Israel in the Old Testament to himself. And he says, listen, all the nations of the earth are mine. But he looks at Israel, this nation in the Old Testament, and says, but you're mine in a different way because I've rescued you. And I, I am now your God. You are my people. And so Peter uses this Old Testament language now to speak of, of this community of faith that is not made up of Jews alone. It is made up of a very diverse background, Jews and Gentile people from all kinds of walks of life. And he's saying, listen, God has saved you. And then what he says, he says, listen, at one point in time, most of you who are in the church were not a people. Now you're a people. In other words, think of it this way. A lot of us in this room grew up in church with the Bible, with the covenants, with the idea of who Jesus is. We went to things like Bible drill, and we sang in youth choirs, and we went on mission trips. And a lot of us in this room never stepped into a church until you came to Genesis or well into your adult years. You had people who were insiders, people who were outsiders, and God has saved them both and put them in a community of faith. And so, so for these people, like every Gentile who was part of this church had never opened the Old Testament for the most part. They never read the Bible. And he says, once you were not a people, but now you are. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you are. But, but you gotta wrestle with, how'd that happen? How did that, how did a person in Turkey in the first century by the early 60s AD, 30 years after Jesus, how did a person in Turkey come to be a Christian in a local church? And it's because the sending God sent his son, the sending son and father sent the spirit and empowered a church. The sending church sent missionaries who went on mission trips and, and they preached the gospel and people got saved. And then churches and local community, communities realized that the reason they were there was that we are here together for the rest of our city and they kept going. That's how it happened. In other words, the people in Turkey in the first century became followers of Jesus. You weren't a people. What happened? Somebody brought the gospel to you. Now here we are, United States of America, 2023. How did it happen for you? Somebody was sent to you. Somebody came to you with the gospel. Maybe it was your parents, but then you have this story of how they become Christians. The sentness of God's mission is central to every single one of us and the hope we have in the gospel. Maybe you were far away from God or maybe you grew up close to God, but either way, he's put us in a people and now we are the people of God. But look what he said. He said, you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, all this, so that, so that, so that you might declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. Peter's not mincing words. He's saying, listen, God saved you so that your life and lips 
will make the marvelous light of Christ that redeemed you visible. But he's not speaking to them as individuals. He's talking to them as a community of faith. This is what God does. And so he says, listen, this is, this is how this thing works. And, and there's this promise of this. And so then he, he calls them, he says, therefore, as sojourners and uh, exiles. In other words, he looks at them and says, let me explain who you really are. Follower of Jesus, let me explain who you really are. You're an immigrant and refugee in this world. You are now a person who has a different home. Your citizenship is really elsewhere. You have different culture, different customs, different ideals because you have a different king, but you live here. He says, you are sojourners, exiles, immigrants and refugees in this world. That's who we are. How do we live as immigrants and refugees in this world? And the answer is we understand that we are part of two kingdoms. And this is how God uses us. We are part of a community of faith that's being transformed in the gospel. So he looks at him and says, listen, make sure your character of life doesn't embrace the idols and values of the world. But then he says, but you live your life of, of transformation in front of them. In front of them, among them, so that, and then he says, when they despise you, in fact, look at it again. Just, just look at the text. Verse uh, 11. As sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh. In other words, don't get sucked into the things that the world tells you are okay, but live as Christ commands us, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What's he saying? Just, just look at this. What's he saying? He's saying, you live transformed lives. You're in a community of faith. You guys are all growing in what it looks like to love Jesus. And whether you're Jew or Gentile, there's changes that are being made as you become more like Christ together. But he says, keep, keep your conduct among the Gentiles. That, that is a reference to those who don't believe in the culture. Do, do you hear him assuming that you're gonna live before the Gentiles? That, that he's not saying, all right, here's what you need to do. You need to pull into yourself, get these holy huddles and be really strong in your faith so you know how to fight the world. He says, no, you do this so that you know how to live among the world. And all of a sudden, your message, they're going to hate it. They're beginning saying, you, you believe in one God? You believe this about gender and sexuality? You believe this about certain things in your values? We don't like you. We don't like your message. We disagree with you. And, and, and we go, I understand this. We love Jesus. We're for him. I, I just want to make Jesus known and, and help you understand the beauty of the gospel. And they're like, we don't like your message. But look at what he says. But what will happen is they begin to see the way you live your lives. Together in community and in your community, you begin to love broken things. You begin to care for the things that Jesus cares about. You begin to do justice together and, and love the things that matter to Jesus. And you do that as a community. They may hate you and hate your message, but they will lift their chin and take notice of the type of people you are together in your community. That's the argument of this passage. This is what God does. He is calling us to this, to, to jump in the water together for all of us. And like every group, what we want them to do is link arms and jump in the river. Now, now if you're like me, you are a slave to two things, right? You are a slave to your Google calendar and your to-do list. Are you like that? Anybody, anybody share that, that struggle with me? You have this 
craziness and busyness in your life? Anybody got a to-do list that's like 9,000 things long and you just, like every week, you don't, you don't take anything off of it, you just add more stuff to it? And, and I know what you're thinking. Some of you who are kind of new and going, are you, are you crazy? You want me to add another weekly thing to a Google calendar and another thing on my to-do list? And believe it, all, everybody in our community groups wrestles with that. <laughs> you know, the number of times we're sitting in our group and everybody's like, oh, I get here and I, I just don't have time for this tonight. And the number of times people leave going, oh, I'm so thankful I, I, I did this. But we're asking you to add to your calendar, add to your to-do list, to, to be more busy. I, I get it. But that's not really what we want to see happen in your life. Because see, what happens with my to-do list and my, my Google Calendar is I've got all this stuff on there that is a living out of the mission that I've made for myself. Here's the things I have to get done this week. Here's my list of things. Here, here's, here's the relationships I have to navigate. Here's the job I have to have. Here's, here's the family relationships. Sometime I gotta get together with these people and, and, and here's some friendships. And man, I've kinda, I haven't talked to them in a long time. They feel hurt and I've got all this sort of stuff. And I have all these things that are agended and they're the things that I feel like I have to keep going with my life. That is not, our goal is not to add something to that for you. Trust me, it is not. Our goal in this is to help you understand that everything on your to-do list and everything on your Google Calendar has the possibility of being part of God's mission. It may be the stuff that you have to do, but what would it look like instead of you going, this is the stuff that I have to do, you begin to see that if you have a job, God has strategically placed you at your job at your 40, 60 hours a week that you are giving to that. He has strategically placed you there to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What does it look like for you to say, I, I, I live in a neighborhood and I haven't really known my neighbors, but I, I could get to know them and I could care for them. When somebody's going through a hard time, we can minister to them and love on them and we can be present in their lives. And so what happens with us as a church is that every level of structure, we're hoping that that's what's happening for you. Not that we're adding to your to-do list. We're reshaping the way you see everything you have to do around the beauty of the gospel and the mission of God. That you, like we want to train you to be a missionary to your world. Now some of you are like freaked out, like, oh my gosh, does that mean I'm going door to door, knocking on doors and handing out tracts? No, we, don't, we literally don't see it that way at all. We see you living as an example of the gospel and then our community is doing that as well. And so, so there's a few things coming up that will help you understand this. Um, in the bulletin this week, uh, Friday night, we're going to serve it at the Eureka High School football game. It's kind of crazy. Like, we don't stand there and hand out tracts to tell people about Jesus. What we do is we go serve our city because we love our city. We want your Genesis Church, like we've been in Eureka all these years, and we love Pacific too. Don't mishear me. We're, we got to think, what does it look like for us to broaden some of this as we go forward? But we've been a church in Eureka for Eureka, and for years we've just gone and served a football game. And our presence at that game has looked at parents and other, other people that are part of the structure and said, you don't need to volunteer tonight. We got this. And it's amazing the number of conversations where all of a sudden somebody walks up and you're like, who are you serving with? Oh, this is my church group. What, really? I, it, those kind of conversations happen every time. We're going to be super involved at Eureka Days. And what we want is we want you to come join. Like if you're new to Genesis, come join us there. It's amazing how you'll get to know people and be part of that. Our community groups are, are intentionally on mission. Intentionally finding ways to care for justice, 
uh, to take up collections to help or, or, or to serve uh, in our, our food pantry. They're intentionally finding ways to love their neighborhoods and do stuff in their communities. They're intentionally finding ways to get the gospel out and, and to do things before our city. Uh, and each group will find different ways. Every group has a little different flavor of that, but each group like, is gonna find a way to not be a cul-de-sac, to be in the river. And the reason we do this is because this is what we hope for your life. Because at the end of the day, when I, when I breathe my last breath, I can spend my life completing my to-do list and getting through my Google Calendar and never stick a toe into that river. We're inviting you in. We're inviting, we're inviting you in to live for something bigger and more beautiful. And, and really the first touch point is join us when we serve and to get in a group. Join us. Be a part of this. Everything we do here is built on that. It's built on this understanding of who we are as a church. Gospel, community, mission. I told everybody I'd, I'd be shorter today, and I've cut 10 to 15 minutes off my sermon. You may feel like it's been just as long, but it hasn't. I told them I promised I would do that, so we'd get you out on time. And so we're going to sing to Jesus now and celebrate him. If you're here today and you have never come to a point for yourself where you've trusted the gospel, we want you to do that today. Come like, we'll have people at the end of our service uh, or, and during the last song over here by this, um, by this table here who will pray with you. Um, if you're here today and you're hurting and you're struggling, uh, let us pray with you. So come join us or I'll be at the back. Um, if, at the end of the service, our community group leaders will be by the t- back at the table as well. If you're not in a group yet or you want to find something, come, come talk to us. Ask questions and figure out a group to try this week. All right? But let's be a, be a church that is about the gospel, in community, and on mission. That's who we are, and we want to invite you to join that journey. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your kindness to us and your goodness. Uh, and, and thank you for the gospel that saves us. And we just ask you today, ask you today to, to so shape our lives in the gospel that we will be people who proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. In your name I pray, amen.